Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Cam Clutter, and this is the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Amanda's out today, but this morning we welcome back to the cafe Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. Father Olvera will be joining Cam and me for our Advent Reflections from Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. And then you'll hang out with us for the entire hour this morning in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Great to be with you. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, Cam, can you start us with a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today. We pray that you would teach us today, Lord, not by lofty ideas, but by things that impact deeper than our brains, that you would speak to our hearts and and more specifically to our souls, wherever we might be this morning, this Friday of the second week of Advent. And we pray that you would prepare us all the more for your coming, not just your coming on Christmas some 2,023 years ago, but your coming again, Lord, that we wait in expectation for the day that you come a second time. And Mother Mary, we especially entrust our conversation to you, you who lived that first Advent. We pray that you would teach us what it means to wait expectantly, joyfully, eagerly for your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Olvera, you're from Columbus, right? I am from Columbus, born and raised, actually specifically Grandview Heights. Yeah? Yeah, so that's not too far from here, and yeah, quite familiar with the city. Uh, lived in a couple states. I lived down in Florida for a teaching job and went to seminary up in Massachusetts, but it's uh, good to be back here in good old Columbus, Ohio. And are you a summer guy or a winter guy? You know, I used to be a lot of summer. Um, that's one of the reasons why I moved down to Florida. And I had my time and, you know, in this fun in the sun, but um, I actually enjoy the changes of the seasons. It's, it's beautiful to be up here in Columbus and uh, experience the uh, seasons that we experience with liturgy and also just uh, the change of the seasons with the weather. So I actually kind of enjoy the cold. When this, uh, we're at this time in winter, well, especially this week where we're getting a taste of winter in the morning and then fall or even spring by the time the afternoon rolls around so a blessing it is a blessing i'll take whatever the lord gives us that's it we don't have any control on it doing no so i'm not going to worry about it nope nope just roll with it that's right so father thanks for being with us um for our advent Mm -hmm. reflection we've been using father mark toop's book rejoice advent meditations with the holy family so what we do uh cam will read a uh, reflection from Father Toops, and then I'll ask you, Father, to read our scripture passage for today, which is from John chapter 15. Excellent. So, Cam, can you start us? Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father Mark writes, We continue to ask, 
considering what was in Mary's heart, how did Joseph love Mary? Yesterday, we pondered all that Mary may have heard, and today, we will consider how Joseph loved Mary by helping her listen to the Father. Regardless of what she had heard from the whispers of Nazareth, Joseph helped her listen to God's words. Last week, we learned that Joseph was a just man, as Pope Benedict XVI writes, Psalm 1 presents a classic image of the just man, and we might think of it as a portrait for the spiritual figure of St. Joseph. A just man, it tells us, is one who maintains living contact with the word of God. He is like a tree planted beside the flowing waters. The flowing waters from which he draws nourishment naturally refer to the living word of God. Joseph constantly drank from God's word. He knew that in order for him to be a good husband, he first had to be a good man. Joseph's authentic masculinity was illustrated in authentic strength and consistency. Mary was able to trust this consistency regardless of what she may have heard whispered about her. She was able to trust that Joseph was listening to God. She therefore felt safe with Joseph. Life can feel heavy when we struggle with the whispers of comparison, self-accusation, or temptation. We may not be able to name what we are feeling inside, but when we hear the whispers within, we may feel weak or vulnerable. This is precisely why Joseph's being safe for Mary was such a gift. Because Mary felt safe with Joseph, she knew that she would always hear the truth from him. Each of us needs someone to help us listen to truth whenever we face temptation, desolation, or discouragement. This is why God said it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God gave Adam a helper. Ideally, our spouse should help us listen to truth in times of temptation. This requires that spouses take their spiritual lives seriously. If a husband or wife is not first grounded in the truth, he or she lacks the capacity to be consistent, which is essential for the emotional safety of one's spouse and family. And even those of us who are not married need someone to help to us to listen to truth whenever we hear the voice of desolation. None of us can walk the journey alone. Who do you turn to? Who helps you listen? Are you consistent enough for others to turn to you? Are you providing a safe place for others? Amen. Thanks, Cam. Mm. And our scripture, our gospel passage, uh, Father, is from John chapter 15, and we'll do verses 1 through 11. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you. What a blessing. So, Cam, what stood out for you in the reflection or in the scripture passage? Yeah, um, I've really just been praying this Advent through St. Joseph's disposition. Where does he ground himself or or plant his foundation? And I think this scripture passage really gets to the heart of it, um, that, that Jesus is saying, abide in me and I in you. You know, I, and I think that really describes Joseph quite well. And that, that I think leads us to the reflection that I read from today um, that Father Mark Toops writes that we can't bring other people to the Lord if we're not first grounded in him ourselves, if we're not first abiding in him ourselves. And that's our, our job, our call, our mission as Christians is to bring everyone around us to to eternal happiness in heaven, to get ourselves there and then to bring everybody that we can with us, right? Um, and and per- perhaps a particular call, Dave, for you and I is, is for our spouses first in our sacrament of marriage, that my job is to get my wife Bailey to heaven, that, you know, period, that that has to happen. <laughs> you know, I'm charged with that in my, in my sacramental calling. Um, and, and that starts with abiding in the Lord myself, mm. just like Joseph did for Mary. So that when those lies come up or that when those people in our lives are struggling with whatever they might be struggling with, they can lean on me. It's not, I, I, the way I've always thought of it too is it's not like a dependence, but an interdependence where it's like leaning on each other yeah. for both of us to get to heaven. Amen. Yeah. It, it, the word that really stood out to me in uh, Father Toop's reflection is consistency. And I approach Father Cam um, this season to really have that consistency that I may not have through the rest of the year, but to develop these disciplines these habits then that I, that I can carry through the rest of the year. And that's really what that consistency, but then also just the word itself abide mean means staying attached, (laughs) attached to the Lord. Um, and as, as a vine is attached, you know, it doesn't separate for, 10 hours out of the day 
and then come back, you know, the next morning and reattaches. You're, you're abiding. You're you're living in, with, and through um, the Lord's grace. And being nourished by it too, right? Yeah. Because that's, Fed. that's what it yeah. means to for a part of the vine to be a part of the, the you know, the base of the vine, one of the branches, is it gets all of its nutrients from the main part of the vine that gets all of its nutrients from the soil. Amen. Amen. What's that out for you, Father? I think when Cam was talking about Mary feeling safe with Joseph, she knew that she would always hear the truth from him. And we know, obviously, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And anybody who wants to be around somebody, to get to know somebody, especially your spouse, you want to have that trust relationship, that truth. You want to be able to depend on your spouse to be able to tell you things that you need to hear, as painful as they are. And Joseph was going to be honest with Mary. I mean, we think about that trek all the way to Bethlehem. It wasn't going to be easy. And... So she could say, be safe with Joseph, knowing that, hey, he's going to say, this is what's going to happen, this is what we need to do, and that Mary could trust. And it's very important when I have these spouses that I am counseling or preparing for marriage, that they know each other incredibly well. I ask them to reveal everything that they possibly can, their deepest, darkest secrets, because you want to know who it is that you're going to marry before you marry them. And if you do not at some point, you know, reveal these things to your spouse before you marry, then uh, what happens is they manifest themselves in the marriage and problems come out. Mm -hmm. So you want to make your spouse your best friend. And I think Joseph and Mary were truly best friends because they both had that truth and they were able to trust and be safe with one another. I love that. I love that. They each knew who they were, Mary and Joseph, in in relationship to God. And, and from that comes that that strength, uh, Father, that uh, that um, self knowledge, then that they can bring into the relationship with the other. And that all of us are bring into our spousal relationships or all of our human relationships grounded in knowledge of our own identity. And then to have, if you don't have that self-knowledge of your true identity, you can't have true, honest relationships with anyone else. No, and that's what Cam kind of pointed out, that this extends beyond just relationships uh, with our spouses. It extends to all peoples. I mean, wherever it is that we work, whatever it is that we do in life, relationships with friends, um, we want to have these truth relationships with them because otherwise trust will be broken and then the relationships will be broken. And so Christ is always trying to communicate this truth to us so that we could have it with each other and be guided in this journey of life. The truth comes from you know, the teachings of the church. You know, Christ obviously his uh, spousal relationship with his church where he can have the truth abide within the church and when we feel those weaknesses, when we, when we feel those temptations, when we need somebody to strengthen us, uh, we can always turn to the church, its teachings, 
to be able to get that moral compass, that moral guidance that we need to live a life of faith. And it's nice when we have friends that are so close to Christ and their knowledge of the church so that they can actually communicate those truths to us so that we can build each other up and walk this journey together and get home to heaven. Well, and it's it, it, those relationships go a lot deeper than two, right? I think of like it's easy to be someone, like be friends with someone who likes watching the same football team as you, and so you get together every Sunday and you and you watch football together, and it's a good time. But when football season ends, you don't see that person until the next football that's, season, right? That's right. Um, because you're you're grounding that that friendship, that relationship, in in that superficial just football season right but when you ground it in the truth that um the church provides it it permeates beyond just you know the football season or or even beyond like hardships and stuff like that that when you go through those times that might feel rocky or shaky you know maybe you even move across the country for a job or something like that and um i can think of one of my one of my close friends i grew up with out uh in East Liverpool, Ohio, it's right on the river, a little old steel town that, um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a blast. It's a good place. There's a, the best donut shop in the world exists there. So, um, and my buddy Jake still lives there to this day. He was my next door neighbor growing up and is one of my best friends. And, um, to this day, I mean, I, I see Jake probably what, four times a year or something like that actually in person, but we catch up at least every other week on the phone, maybe every couple of weeks. Um, and we play chess online daily because, because we just enjoy spending time together in that way. And, um, really have just like all these different touch points allow us to ground our friendship in something that's more than just the chess or more than just the, you know, the distance between our, our two, the two of us physically, but, um, always usually leads us back to deeper conversations. And so, He's not Catholic. Pray for his conversion. I pray for it all the time. Um, and and God willing, he'll be coming home sometime. Mm. Oh yeah, that that's a good reminder too, Cam. Not, I mean, not every um, relationship will have that um, same rootedness mm. at that at a particular point. But because we know the way, the truth, and the life, right, that, that if we have that understanding, um, there's that overflow then in, in, into other relationships. The, the, this week I rejoiced in my men's group and the fellowship that we have. Then it, it provides me with consistency and continuity. And it is helpful to for us to share the same worldview. And that doesn't necessarily mean though that every conversation we have is a God conversation, but we're at least looking through the same lens. And even so, so with those relationships um, that we do have that you, you don't have the same worldview, you, you strive, <laughs> you know, there, there's still, I think our hearts are made um, still to help us in those relationships. You see where I'm going, Father? Yeah. I mean, it's very, very important, obviously, to um, take in other people's perspectives, 
because when we have uh, a, a more a, a different perspective of other people around us, it's going to help us to know the minds of others, but it's also opportunities to help people say, hey, uh, I, I don't know what your situation is, is but hey, how, how can I help? And you can feed them, uh, not necessarily from a religious standpoint all the time, but from actually just a, a reasonable standpoint, what is actually true right, right. to help them on their journey, uh, despite the fact that they might not be as close to God yet, or they might not be there yet. Because what it is, is you are going to communicate, anytime you're going to communicate truth, um, either in a scientific realm or just a secular realm, not necessarily a religious realm, people are going to recognize that. And there is going to be something that they can gain from that, and they're going to want to seek more. And eventually they're going to find out what that source is for your truth, and we know it's going to be Christ. And so it's going to be a relationship-building time. You're going to invite them closer, and who knows what the future holds for these people. But they see something different in those people that have Christ and the truth in them. Amen. Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. Thank you. Thank you for uh, your reflections, Father. Thank you, Cam. Father, I humbly ask you to help me listen to you when I hear the voices of temptation, desolation, or discouragement. Father Olvera will be with us when we come back. Grab a fresh coffee, and thanks for being with us here in the cafe. Stay with us. My Jesus, before you ascended into heaven, you prayed that we would all be one, as you and your Father are one. But today, Lord, we seem more divided than ever. We are divided over political beliefs, gender, religion, ethnicity, color, and economic status. It is a division that cuts deeply, even through our closest relationships. You have warned us, Lord, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Help me to remember that you are the cornerstone of this house, that your precepts, not ours, are the path to everlasting joy. Empower me with your grace to be an agent of healing and a proclaimer of truth and hope to this troubled world, one heart at a time. Armed with your sacred word, the sacraments, and the wisdom of the saints, you have given me everything I need to make a difference. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of patience is seen in Mother Teresa. She lived patience heroically by bearing difficulties calmly and enduring long-suffering for Christ. Already a religious sister and teacher, she accepted another call from God to serve the poorest of the poor. She waited with great patience for the support needed to found the missionaries of charity. This congregation brings Christ's love to the sick and dying around the world. Let us ask Mother Teresa to pray for us, that we may grow in patience. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Dave Worsborn here with Cameron Clutter 
and Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. Father, you're putting on the rose this weekend. I am putting on the rose, and yes, it's going to be a joyful time and a joyful um, thing to do. Gaudete! Gaudete, rejoice. <laughs> and that comes from the introit to the Mass. Yes. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. Correct. Well, Gaudete obviously is uh, a Latin word, so they have it transcribed. It's in, written in Latin first, so we transcribe it. You know, it's Gaudete in Domine Semper. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. Eternum dico Gaudete. Again, I say rejoice. And... So that's why it is that we're using the word Gaudete Sunday, and it would be comparable to Laetare Sunday um, that we find in the fourth uh, week of Lent. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it has this, these introits that we do, these little entrance antiphons. Um, they're scriptural verses, sometimes from the Psalms, sometimes from other parts of Scripture, like this one today, uh, that comes from the uh, Philippians, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And... Um, we have to think about these times and why does it we're using this and why does it we should rejoice because just building off this this little entrance antiphon i mean we are coming the introit comes from the latin word for um entrance and introitus and when you're entering into the church we're going to come in wearing rose colored vestments um rose because we say rose it kind of looks like pink because um, rose is actually the liturgical color. Um, it doesn't actually say pink, which is why people usually refer to it as rose. Um, so it's a brighter color, but it's, it's one that symbolizes rejoicing. And we only use it twice a year, but we're going to be entering in to this time into the church, walking in, and we're going to be rejoicing. Uh, we're going to be singing a little bit more uplifting songs. Sometimes you may see, uh, pink flowers, uh, close to the altar. Um, these types of things, because this period of darkness that we've been in for so long, um, hope is on the way. It's, it's so close to us now. And this time in Advent and similarly in Lent, uh, Mark's almost kind of like this halfway point where we're almost there. We're almost to the end. We're almost going to witness the birth of Christ or the second coming of Christ in this, after this long, long, long period of darkness. And so we're going to rejoice. And you have to think about what St. Paul is experiencing when he is writing to the Philippians, where this verse comes from. You have this verse, and he's going, he's writing this from, from prison. Mm-hmm. And if he's writing this from prison, and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord again, I say rejoice, always rejoice. And that just kind of gives us that reminder, no matter what type of difficult circumstance we're in, that we're, there's always reason to rejoice. Why? Because we have our faith. We have the Lord. We have the truth. We know where it is that we're going. We know where St. Paul knew where he was going. And as difficult as it is to uh, rejoice, um, if we can look to St. Paul and him rejoicing in prison, I think we can kind of sometimes look at our own hardships and say, you know what? I don't have it so bad. So I'm going to rejoice. And it kind of reminds me this verse um, of a book called uh, the Hiding Place by Corey Tenboom. Yes. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Very good story. Uh, yeah. A Holocaust story, and she's a Holocaust survivor. Amazing. And her, her and her family, they, they hid these Jews, you know, and eventually they were caught. 
and they were put in these uh, Nazi uh, concentration camps. And what they would do is they would still proclaim scripture, even the fact that they were in these horrible conditions. Flee and fast. That's exactly right. And that's what I was going to re- refer to. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. Sorry. So you know this. I'm so impressed that you know this. So they were actually sharing this verse. Her sister is saying, you know, Corey, we need to rejoice always. And there's these fleas that are in, in, this, in this compound and they're being bitten all the time. And, you know, her sister wants to give thanks for the fleas. And Corey's like, I'm not giving thanks for the fleas. <laughs> she wasn't quite on the same page. No, but she's like, we're going to do this anyway. And so she's like, all right, fine. Thank you, Lord, for the fleas. And it come, they come to find out that they have to actually rejoice in the fleas for the very fact that these Nazi soldiers would not enter into their barracks because they didn't want to be bitten or infested with fleas themselves. So they could have this time to rejoice because they could share the word with themselves and those Mm -hmm. around them. How incredible is that to be able to rejoice always? God knows our circumstances, and we can see God working in our most difficult circumstances. We should, and, and to be able to rejoice, that's what it is that we look for, to be able to rejoice always, knowing what it is that we have and where it is that we're going. Amen. Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. And rejoice that we have a church that really accompanies and leads us through the season. Oh, and that's what I like. Um, I even preached about this, and it was so funny. The first weekend at Advent that I preached about, uh, you know, trying to get back this Advent season. And then I was listening to St. Gabriel Radio like maybe a day or two afterwards, and Bishop Fernandez was basically saying the same thing. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I hit the nail on the head. Maybe he heard your homily. (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, But at the same time, it's just kind of reiteration. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have Christmas trees or lights. Definitely the lights obviously representing, um, you know, make it lighting that pathway to Mary. Um, But to remind ourselves of the Advent season and how it is that we're going to experience it, because it's not the Christmas season, it's the Advent season. And it's a time where we need to reflect on, you know, the second coming of Christ, or recall uh, the first coming of Christ with his birth. But to be in these times to do things that are more of the Advent season, sing Advent hymns, you know, read scripture verses as you're lighting something around your Advent wreath, uh, as the light continues to grow in our darkness, do things that are going to be uh, more penitential, things that you can do as a family to keep in mind who is coming to us and what it is he's coming to do. Very important to kind of keep these things in mind that we kind of continue to make our families take back this Advent season so that we can celebrate it properly, that when Christmas comes, we can celebrate the Christmas season and have something really to be truly joyful about. In our neighborhood, uh, depending on the weather, uh, a lot of decorations come down on December 26th. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and, it's yeah. And, 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 but we have a neighbor, uh, our nativity actually usually doesn't appear until pretty close to Christmas. Okay. Uh, we've jumped on the inflatable um, bandwagon, <laughs> but I found an inflatable holy family, right? So... Wow. Uh, where others have, uh, you know, the Christmas Homer Simpson mm-hmm. or the Christmas, um, who's the 
uh, the character from Frozen and a Shrek, you know, and so we have the Holy Family. I have a, a neighbor, a, a good friend, uh, 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 Christian. He's like, I like how you guys leave the nativity up after yes. Christmas. Absolutely. And I'm like, it's just not laziness, brother. Oh. And yeah, it, it's, we're still partying for a little while. <laughs> yes. So. Um, I like actually putting up the nativity almost immediately. I don't have any problem with that. Um, and then not, of course, having Christ in there, in the, in the uh, crib. But sometimes in this day and age, you can't necessarily find Christ apart from the crib because he's like glued to it or molded into it. <laughs> yep. And so um, when I walked into the rectory and I, I found that uh, we did have um, the, the crush already set up and I saw baby Jesus in there and I said, nope, this is not going to happen. So I took him out of the crush and I hid them so the other priest can't find him <laughs> until <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Oh, and now you're, you're uh, publicly saying this now. Did, did the other priests know that it was? Uh, they do not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do now. Okay, friends. Yeah, those of you at St. Paul's, let's keep that secret. Did you notice this addition here in the cafe? I did. I absolutely love it. And we have the Holy Family. Uh, for those of you that have visited uh, uh, St. Gabriel, know that in our studio we have a fireplace, a non-functioning fireplace, and finally um have installed a, a holy family which we'll keep up uh year round please do and uh yeah it's just a, a real nice addition absolutely you know christmas can be reminded every single time we pray the angelus it's almost like that christmas prayer you know the, the angel declared unto mary and she conceived by the holy spirit every single time we say the angelus at 6 a.m 12 and 6 p.m it's a reminder of that announcement of what Christ came into the world, the incarnation. And, you know, here this time uh, that we're entering more into the Christ, we're traveling this time with the Holy Family. And they traveled quite a distance. It could be like, I don't know, 90 to 100 miles. It'd be mm-hmm. like from here to Cincinnati. And, of course, there's no paved roads back then. You're walking on very difficult terrain. Um, you have no idea what or who you're going to meet along the way. Very dangerous circumstances. It's not like you have hotels that are unavailable on every corner, cell phones. You have to think about the austere type of life that they lived and how it is that they were going to make that trek over, what, three or four days, how long it would take them. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we're walking this journey together with them during Advent, and we need to be preparing as they were preparing um, to have their son. So this is a good reminder that we are walking this journey. We are walking this uh, pen, this um, time of um, Advent with the Holy Family, and we do this together, not alone. Mm-hmm. Father Dan Rivera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's, brings me back to the reflection that we uh, mm-hmm. had at the beginning of the cafe, the trust uh, that Mary and Joseph had in each other and through the Lord, um, you know, Mary in her eighth month, you know, heading in, you know, very close to, to giving birth is called to travel those 90 miles and, and, and trust that Joseph is doing the right thing here. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of trust, you know, because again, back in the day, 90 miles I mean, can we think about even traveling one or two, you know, just with your family? That's, that's, 
you know, relatively easy comparatively to where it is that they would have to stay, how they would sleep, how they would eat. I mean, very arduous journey. Oh, if I was to put Carol on a donkey in, in, her, in, her, in her eighth month, I mean, not a chance. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I was going to say, and the, and the donkeys don't come equipped with like air conditioning or, right. or heating, right? Maybe a little bit of heat. But... I don't think they smelled too good either. Probably not. No. But yeah, I mean, this whole entire time that we think about for Advent, actually it extends, it, back in the day, it would have been a little bit longer you know, if we go all the way back, uh, we have an evidence back in the 5th century that they were celebrating um, this time as being a period of almost like 40 days, almost what you would see with Easter, you know, or Lent, I'm sorry. And it was, um, even though this is not technically a penitential season, we still do um, penances, you know, in preparation for the coming of our Lord. But back in the day, they would start this time um this this 40-day period before the coming of our Lord uh, with the celebration of St. Martin of Tours. And it would be celebrated on November 11th, which we still keep to this day. And it would have been a celebration day, kind of like we have uh, Mardi Gras that leads into Ash Wednesday. And there would have been festivities. This had been in European activities and things, and European festivities, because a lot of our saints are European. And they would have been celebrating in preparation for um, this coming of of uh, our Lord. And actually, it's a time um, of, of actually rejoicing. Even though you're going into this, um, uh, this, this, this time where you're, you're going to prepare for the Lord, they would have still had a little bit of rejoicing going on before the coming of our Lord. And it's very neat how it is that we kind of celebrate these traditions differently. Because in the Maronite rite, what you're doing is you're not wearing purple vestments, you know, which are symbol, symbolic mm. of penance. You know, in the Maronite rite, you're wearing either silver or gold, and mm. this is a time for them to actually kind of be rejoicing because they know the Lord's coming, so they extend that period. And so for us, though, we do it a little bit different, and back in the day, you could even worn black. You would have seen, you know, maybe even some black vestments in, in, uh, in exchange for the, the purple vestments. And the period, again, would have been 40 days. There would have been um, some... Uh, fasting. Um, and then eventually, when we get to about the 12th century, it would have been shortened season to about four weeks. And you would have still had the um, days of abstinence or um, fasting, you know, with Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then it kind of turned into more of like a simple abstinence and not so much fasting. And you fast forward all the way today, we can kind of still see some remnants of it. With a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, they still do. Um, abstinence or fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, even to this day. So a little bit of the remnants from the history that we have in the church still um, exists to this day. But, you know, if we can kind of keep this in mind for how it is that we enter into the season for abstinence, some type of penance and things, even though, again, this is not a penitential season, it's good to be able to uh, remind ourselves what it is that we need to give up uh, for the fact that what Christ came into this world to give up, which was his life for us. That's huge. I I always think of the Advent season too as there's, I, I at the Annunciation right. You were talking about the Angelus a little bit ago, Father, mm-hmm. where where Gabriel says, "Hail, full of grace." You know, you're you're going to give birth to God's Son, and and the line that I always think of that I'm sure it comes from a hymn or something somewhere, but 
that all of heaven like held its breath waiting for her response. I love that. And that's yeah. that's yeah. what the advent season I think especially this year has felt like to me is is really just this moment of because when you're excited for something, right? You you <gasps> almost like hold your breath waiting for the thing to happen um because you're so excited for it. And and I think that was a big distinction between advent and lent for me whereas lent I think I I tend to take it a bit more reflective on like, okay, Lord, how can I, how can I grow? How can I fast? How can I, you know, what are the things I can do, Lord, to, to prepare for your death and resurrection, but also to like practice that penance and that fasting and stuff. In Advent, I think it's more just like a holding my breath and stopping the things that I'm doing, right? Let's, let's, we, we've been talking a lot about on the cafe of like slowing down, right? Almost slowing down to that stopping of like, let me just wait in this moment for a second because the Lord is coming, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 coming quickly too. And I, I can just hold my breath with heaven too. I, I can place myself with the angels in that way and and say, Okay, Lord, I, I expect you to to be here. Yeah, I can't remember which saint wrote about that, you know, waiting for Mary's fiat, her yes, you know, the world awaits. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which saint it was, but that is true because during this time it's so busy and it's so commercial that do we stop to think about what it is that's about to take place? You know, do we just hold our breath and really contemplate, you know, what Mary is about to say at that Annunciation and how that yes is going to change history forever and to say thank you for that yes. But yeah, to even pause just for a moment in this busy day of our lives and think, wow, we await that yes from you and how it will change history for us. And the daily gospel readings now for the rest of Advent, really, you you, you have that anticipation, right? You're, you're going through the early, the uh, chapter one of Luke. Yeah, uh, yes. And so we're, we're, we're focusing a little bit more on um, Luke and also Matthew, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, Mark, and it's funny because Mark always is talking about things and having immediately and kind of like speeding things up. And sometimes he, he even speeds things up so fast that we even skip over the narrative of, a, you know, the birth of a Lord. Um, but we, <laughs> but we, we talk, we, we do reflect more on Luke because obviously his, um, his, uh, his early, um, his, his uh, Bible descriptions about uh, the birth of our Lord and things. So, what we do, though, is with the, the coming of this coming Sunday, it's kind of weird how this works out this year, yeah. because Gaudete Sunday is on the 17th this year, and the 17th is actually a period where our liturgical books, both in the breviary or the office that we read, and even the Roman Missal that we have at church, changes over a little bit, because the last uh, seven days are this intense period to remind us, hey, we got to do something here. And normally, if it's during a weekday and December 17th falls on a weekday, you're going to hear the genealogy of Matthew. So in other words, the genealogy is going to trace this lineage from Abraham to Christ. So you're focusing on the king, the king of kings who is about to come. Whereas in Luke, you know, he begins with Christ and goes backwards all the way to Adam. And who's Adam? Adam is the son of God. So we're showing, obviously, this lineage that's coming uh, from Christ, the King of Kings, the Son of God. And during this time, we're basically saying through this genealogy that 
the Messiah is going to be fulfilled at his coming through this genealogy. We can see it. This is what's been predicted. And what we do is we think about, obviously, um, with uh, this, this coming of Christ, how it is that we look to um, our readings in Scripture a little bit more deep. And so what we begin with the 17th every single year is what are called the O antiphons. So these special antiphons that we have every single day that give a different title to our Lord in preparation and in uh, prophecy. So these prophecies coming from, these words that are coming, these O antiphons, coming all the way from the Old Testament, letting us know that each one of them is associated with the Messiah and our prophecies for his coming. But every single day from the 17th up until uh, Christmas Eve, we will receive a different antiphon letting us know some different uh, representation of the Lord and how it is that he is to come. Now these uh, O antiphons yes. are found in evening prayer? They're found in evening prayers, they're found in scripture readings, and we actually have it in our hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs> and it's nice because being at St. Paul, since the church is so large, um, communion takes a little while. So it's nice when the Get through all six verses. Let's do it all. <laughs> so it's like, right, this is exactly right. Anticipation. Yeah. But each of them have like just a little bit of different meaning. I mean, O Wisdom, O Lord, O Root of Jesse, O Key of David, O Rising Sun, O King of the Nations, O God with us. You know, the last one that we say, oh, God with us, because what's his name? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all these come from the different scriptures, wisdom, the book of Kings, and how we think of the wisdom of Solomon and how it is that God's wisdom will lead our path straight to heaven. We think about, you know, the title, oh, Lord, Adonai, um, which was a re reference to God in the Old Testament. And so we're using that same reference in the New Testament to refer to Christ. You know, O Root of Jesse. Jesse, who was that? He was obviously uh, the father of King David. And it's from that line, obviously, that uh, that lineage that we're going to receive our Savior. And O Key of David, obviously, that's another one from David's line that we would get him and that those keys to the kingdom of heaven would be passed um, on to St. Peter. And O Rising Sun, it's in those last days because we have to think about this is also that time where uh, we're preparing for the second coming of Christ. And Christ will be coming in the last days from the east, and he's going to vanquish that dark darkness. He's the rising sun for which a new day will come. And, O King of Nations, the earthly kings had their time as rulers, you know, in Judah and Israel. But the true king is going to come in all his glory for all his people. So, and then the last one, obviously, O God with us, is that translation of that name Emmanuel. And it's that incarnation. And now he's with us at Mass, and he's going to remain with us for the end of time. All these things that we prepare for, these O antiphons, go all the way back to the 8th century um, in preparation, more of an intense preparation for the coming of our Lord. And each one of them remind us, reminds us of that, where, where they came from in the Old Testament, how it was being predicted, and how it will come, how it will come at Christmas. Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville, is here with Cam and me in the cafe. This understanding of what God with us really um the jewish understanding i know there's some differences on their understanding or what they thought the messiah mm -hmm. would be but even when you say god with us that could be yeah god is always watching over us mm -hmm. or 
God protects us or, you know, he, he's, he's near, but not that near. <laughs> you know, the, the incarnation really is God is here really close to us in, in our humanity. And then at mass, God with us takes on an even greater reality, right? Yes, when he is literally with us, when we receive him at communion time, you know, and sometimes people kind of get this question, you know, is he really in us? Yes, he really is in us. And he's only in us for probably about, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes before um, the Eucharist breaks down and is no longer recognizable as the Eucharist. So at that point, it ceases to be Christ himself. But Christ is literally with us. And it's what it is that he had promised that he would be with us, you know, until the end of time. And so we thank him because if, if he's truly, truly with us, and that's one way that we can abide in him and abide in his love, we're following his commandments. We're going to receive him. We're going to um, be with him. He wants to be with us. He comes to us because he wants to be among us. So he is literally within us. And obviously this is what we look forward to to at the end of time when he comes again to be with us in human form in the flesh you know as as we will see each other and it's just something that is so mind-blowing that these are the type of things that we kind of want to reflect on before he comes what it is he's doing and how it is he's going to come to us uh now at christmas time and at the end of the at the end of time father daniel olvera from saint paul's westerville is with us here in the cafe as Father Adam Streitenberger says, can I get a little controversial here? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the disposition, okay, um, so we received the Lord yes. in the Eucharist. Yes. What an opportunity we have to stay with the Lord after Mass and, and mm-hmm. have some prayer, to have that quiet, and just, again, abide yes. with him rather than rushing into the parking lot or on, on with the rest of the day. That's the controversial part. Well, <laughs> were you? did you hear my homily a couple weeks ago? No, <laughs> no. I actually preached about that at Mass. It's like, yes, you know, we are to be there before the entrance antiphon, the introit, and we are to stay there um, until after, you know, the priest gives that final blessing and recesses out. And, you know, I was talking about there's nothing in canon law or there's, I don't know where this came about, where um, people leave after communion. It's just like, what, what, what rule is this? Where does it say that we can do that to fulfill our Sunday obligation? It doesn't, it's not written anywhere, but I don't know. Even when I was younger, I heard this and I haven't practiced it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, when I was younger, I even actually did these things. But when I realized I wasn't fulfilling my obligation, and then I also wasn't being fulfilled in myself for the very fact that, you know, what was I doing? I was just going through the motions and just kind of get out so I can go on to do the next thing. No, when you start to make Christ the center of your life and you know that he's there, where else would you rather be? I mean, would you, and so is, is it that painful to come an extra few minutes before mass or to stay an extra few minutes after mass to be with our Lord that we have to get out right away. And yeah, so we might be in this huge parking lot at, you know, in our, at our church and it may take a few extra minutes to get out. 
that's okay. You know, I'll spend some time with uh, being in the church, and I'll use this as sacrificial penance, you know, to <laughs> to exit the church. But I just received the Lord. I'm on high. I don't have anywhere I want to go. This is fantastic. This is good. Well, and actually, to be perhaps a little bit more controversial to oh, that way out, <laughs> if you do stay longer, I've found, my wife and I have found that the other people who aren't staying longer get out of the parking lot, and then it's easy to get out of the parking lot. After <laughs> That's that it. Anyway. That's so it. It's yeah. a win-win situation. Honestly, you spend time with the Lord, and then He makes it easy to get out. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd rather make Him have it a little bit harder. If you wish I to agree. be my disciple, Everyone. take up the cross and <laughs> follow me, Cam. <laughs> Say that again, Cam. This is Father. Yeah. Abide with me. Yes. Stay Amen. a little bit longer. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just a little bit of time and. What we do is once we receive them, we should be going back to our pews and we should think about what the word Eucharist actually means. It's from that Greek Eucharista, you know, which means giving thanks and giving thanks to the Lord. You just received him. We need to give thanks. So we don't need to be rushing back to our pews and asking for something. Oh, hope Father can, you know, purify these patents really quickly so we can get out of here sooner. <laughs> no, no, we don't want to be even thinking about that. We want to think about what it is that we right. just received. So important. Is there an ad- Advent hymn, Father, that uh, that you hum throughout the day? <laughs> um, I, I do not. The only one that would ever come to mind is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. because again, it's biblical. Um, it's very, very, very old. It's it's traditional. I, I love that hymn. I love to hear it every single Advent. Um, and uh, you know, if anything, that's 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 ones that will go out because I can reflect on each one of those O antiphons yeah. daily. And to really think about what each one means. I mean, there's there's scripture right there. There's something to reflect on. There's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Now, let's look forward, if we may, to the fourth Sunday in Advent. Okay. You mentioned, yes. so um, Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday Masses yep. will be for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. And then hours later, mm-hmm. with the vigil, Yes. We enter Christmas. Yes. And thank you, Lord, for bringing us another priest this year at St. Paul, <laughs> because this is a very difficult time for a priest when Christmas falls on a Monday. It's very, very sacrificial time. You know, we have masses over at St. Paul, you know, for 8, 10, and noon on Sunday mornings uh, to get in the Sunday obligation. Then for the Christmas obligation, we have masses that evening at 4 p.m. at our church and then overflow at Westerville North for all these other people. And we expect so many people every single year. It's it's tough. We have, you know, over 3,000 people just about every single weekend at, uh, at St. Paul's. But um, And we had the 4 o'clock uh, going on simultaneously in the evening. We have a 6.30 uh, vigil mass. We have the midnight mass. And then in the morning on Sunday or on Monday morning for Christmas, we have 8, 10, and 12. So very, very, very difficult time uh, for the priests. So please pray for the priests. But this is all good because I don't mind. You know, the more time that you have um, to come and celebrate Christ with all these people that are coming out that even sometimes normally don't come out, mm-hmm. I, uh, praise God, they, they still recognize there is something special about these days and that we need to give due honor to Christ, even if I'm only doing it twice a year, which I prefer they do it every single week. But... there's still something and I I still love it and still worth the sacrifice as hard as it is it is totally worth the sacrifice to bring Christ to every single person out there and to let them hear this message about his love and mercy and what it is he's done for us 
Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. Going to shift uh, gears again or uh, direction here mm-hmm. again, Father. We've had um, quite a week with our saints. Yes, uh, I love it. So Juan Diego, yep. uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. St. Lucy, yes. and St. John of the Cross. Oh, gosh, yesterday St. John of the Cross, God bless him. So, of course, we have Juan Diego, who responded to the Blessed Virgin Mary and her, her plea. And obviously, just in that short amount of time, my gosh, like 7 million converts within like seven years. Huge after Our Lady appeared and um, the bishop responded. And then, of course, the Immaculate Conception. What a gift that it is, obviously, to have um, back in 1856 when mm-hmm. Pope um, Pius IX declared the Immaculate Conception. And, uh, you know, how it is that she was conceived without sin for our, from mm-hmm. the moment of conception till all eternity, uh, something to celebrate. And then we have St. Lucy, whose name means light. And obviously, through this light, obviously, we're giving a little, we're going to see the ultimate light. So she's that light in the darkness. And then yesterday with John of the Cross, saying if you want to get those treasures of the church, you have to mine, you know, Christ is like this mine. And within these pockets, if you really want to get these treasures and access these treasures in this mine of Christ, then you have to go through the cross. In order to come closer to Christ, you have to go through the cross. And those treasures of the church, this wisdom, if you want them, the intellect, all these things that God is willing to give us through his graces, you have to endure the cross and you have to want it. Some people want it, some people don't. But Christ, we were reminded, comes into this world as a child to take up his cross and spread that wisdom to us. So, oh my gosh, what incredible saints that we have in this church, uh, always reminding us to point uh, that point towards him. You have a little Carmelite in you, don't you? Um, a little. <laughs> uh, St. John of the Cross, he's wonderful. I am the spiritual guide director for our uh uh, lay Carmelite community up in at St. Paul's and those around the surrounding community. It's it's beautiful to be with them and their spirituality because, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday. Now the intellect is is nice and that's something you can do and something that we need obviously to uh, come closer to Christ to study our faith, but it's the spiritual side of spending time with Him mm. that we go deeper with Him and really mind those rich graces. You know, the intellect help. But it's really, we want to focus on the relationship and going deep with him and just his contemplation, um, the reflections, and uh, knowing his treasures about practicing our faith. But yeah, the intellect is good, but we really want to work on the the focus, the contemplation, and spending time with our Lord. And what a great time to do that. Amen. At, uh, slow down, friends. Uh, take this opportunity uh, to walk closer with our Lord, Our Lady, and St. Joseph. So. Yes. So, Father, uh, could you leave us with your blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and we just ask, Lord, that we, as we prepare for the 17th of the coming, that we enter into this more deep time of coming closer to you and preparing for the coming of our, um, of, uh, our Lord, that we um, take this opportunity to know what it is that you have done for us through his birth. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, uh, well, Father Dan Overa, thanks for being with us here in the cafe. Always a blast. And we'll be back Monday morning at 8 a.m. Wish all of you a splendid and blessed weekend. God bless you.